Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch and review and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I am Chris and I'm back with Steven. Hello. And Patrick has the week off, so we've brought in returning Amon champion, Allison with an I. Hey, hey. Hey, welcome back. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Cool. Well, it's summer or it's spring, but it feels like summer. Things, the weather's starting to turn nice here in Michigan. We got our, our windows open to let in the fresh air. And oh, 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 God. Oh, God damn it. Oh, fuck. Ah. Oh, oh, my eyes. Oh man! Oh, that was that was close. Yeah, we're here watching. We're 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 watching Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds this week, and we're gonna get into all of that. Oh man, feathers everywhere here. Uh, but before we do that, we are going to uh, recap the horror things we've been doing and watching and listening oh, to, etc., and reading uh, since we last uh, spoke. And Allison, it's been a while since we saw you. Is there any uh, any standout horror thing you've done? consume since we saw you last that you'd like to report yeah so i've been kind of running running some reruns um i watched world war z which steven and i were texting while i was watching it and he mentioned that he had never seen it and it's so so good it's i think it's one of the great zombie movies out there i rewatched bird box how appropriate (laughs) it is appropriate (laughs) so bird heavy just all all of this is so bird heavy Mm -hmm. um more on that later uh i did watch bones and all as recommended by steven (gasps) and then i had the book from the library um through the libby app which is the greatest app ever and i had 10 pages left and i was just too busy to finish it and now i'm stuck in line number six but Mm -hmm. oh my god what a great story i absolutely loved it the movie just made me sob devastating uh, right devastating but hauntingly beautiful and just that love story and the whole thing was so so good you you're you were almost done with the bones and all book like how does that compare to the movie because it's ya i tried to find it and couldn't for whatever reason when the movie came out our library didn't have it and i just wondered like the the book is or sorry the movie is so you know raw that it's like hard for me to imagine how that could have been adapted from a young adult novel honestly they're oh. really similar really really similar it was so good though would recommend and it was it's like 200 pages which is embarrassing that i didn't finish <laughs> it <laughs> but it just got busy. got busy you had to watch the birds for this episode i had to watch the birds um so that's what i've been up to horror wise what about what about you guys? I, I got a couple of questions. Uh, one, wh- why should I see World War Z in brief? Because I don't really give a shit about most zombie movies unless they put an interesting twist on the genre. Yeah, I mean, if you're not that into zombie movies, which sort of surprises me, then, you know, it's just another of its kind. I think it stands out in that the acting is incredible. Obviously, it's like was kind of a horror blockbuster, right? Brad Pitt as the lead. Their budget was huge. So they shoot in a lot of different locations around the world. I actually read the book, which is nothing like the movie. Have you read the book? No. I've heard the The book book is good. I haven't seen the movie or read the book, but I've heard the book is pretty good and interesting. Because it is interesting, like, just a completely different format than the movie. Like the movie was not based on the book at all, really in any way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the book from, from was. I understand more, the book is like legitimately researched and is like if zombies broke out, this is how the world would respond. Actually, exactly. Yeah, and it's more like a journal of entries. You know, like how the like CDC uh, pressers and things like that. So, oh, so it's an epistolary novel like Dracula. Sh- yeah, good word. <laughs> Anytime I get a chance to use that word, I will. Do it. <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> But the movie is great. I, I happen to love zombie movies. I love most all of them. And I think it's just one of the standouts for me. Would recommend. Okay. Question number two, uh, which is not a question necessarily. Hold on. I got to Google this and make sure I'm not. It's more of, a, more of a comment than a question. Yeah, it's more of a comment. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm in an audience. I'm, I'm being part of an audience Q&A right now. Uh, oh, so do we know that there's a new, this is comment, question number two. Do we know there's a new Bird Box movie coming out set in Is Barcelona? It Melanie? Or, no. Uh, and Melanie. do we care? What's her name? Mallory? Mallory. Is that her name? Yeah. I read that book too. Did you guys read that? I didn't read that book. No. I um, tried. I don't I don't really I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious because the writer is local, but uh, I found the prose to not really uh, be very sophisticated. Not that I'm like a yeah. huge snob or anything, but it just didn't really grab me. It felt like a first novel, and I'm like, good for you, buddy, but uh, I'll come back in a few books and see how you've evolved. Yeah. The, the Bird Box movie didn't leave me wanting more. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the movie is based on the sequel book or not. It's not if it takes place in Barcelona because the sequel book takes place in Michigan. Okay. But the, there were tax credits in Spain. It looks like it's also a Netflix original, so we're probably going to have to review it, guys. A couple other things I'm excited about, and I don't know how much more time we have, but um, back to the 36 John hours. <laughs> Our Zoom runs out <laughs> right. in 36 hours. Right. But we're going to do a lock-in. Yeah. Um, 28 months later. Have you guys heard rumors that 28, 28 months later is in, in the process of being made? No. I I can't wait. I same uh, twenty eight months later. Wait, wait, weeks. We there. I did there. I did no. months, days, no, we days, did, weeks, days, days and weeks. weeks. Okay, all right, all right. Uh-huh. Twenty eight weeks later was I thought much better than twenty eight days later. Controversial. It's apparently opinion. not because I know I love twenty eight days later, and I feel like at one point it was considered a stone cold classic, and now I have to defend it against mm-hmm. the sequel, which, admittedly, I haven't seen. I should get around to at some point. Mm. I like the first one better. I like the first one better. But Cillian Murphy years. is back. The original director is back. It's set oh, Danny Boyle, really? It's set in England. So, like, people are really getting excited about that. Mm. Now, you said rumors. Did you actually, like, see a, new, like, a news article about this? Or is this just, like, hearsay on Reddit? Um, I've seen several articles. But there's no, okay. like, official release date. There's no poster. You know what I mean? There's nothing really. Sure. It's on oh, IMDb. Sure. It's in pre-prod. Yeah, there you go. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, New Black we'll Mirror see. coming out. It's, it's good- in it's in the works like the Spawn movie. <laughs> Isn't McFarlane producing? Exciting things happening in horror. So uh, I haven't done much, but uh, I did watch a little movie that my sister discovered and uh, is very much into and, and sat me down and said, watch this. It's called The Civil Dead. And it's a little movie that was made for like $30,000. 
uh, and that it it looks like it cost even less, I think. Um, and it was made by these two guys who make like basically web videos, and they made oh. a feature length movie. Have you heard of this? Uh, well, I know Whitmer Thomas and yes. Christian Lee Hudson. Okay. Yeah, they're both very funny. Well, there you go. It's their movie, and awesome. uh, it is it is horror. There is a it's it's kind of like a I don't know mumblecore adjacent sort of earnest comedy movie, but there's a supernatural element to it that I don't really want to give away, and it was honestly chilling in a couple parts, and, Whoa. and leaves you a little a little unsettled. But it was it was worth a watch, and good for them for making a movie on on such a shoestring budget and most importantly for me it was a very like i said earnest and heartfelt movie and i feel like that's what's sorely lacking in cinema these days so the more young directors come up and get their thirty thousand dollars and decide they're gonna like not make a meme or not make a movie that's self-referential too much or 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 too cool for itself that's the kind of talent i like to see developing so Good for them. That's the civil dead. But something horrifying happened. So my sister said, we're going to watch the civil dead. And I said, okay, but we're going to make it a double feature with Casino. So <laughs> we watched Casino 1995. And then we watched the civil dead. The next day, the, the guys who made the civil dead post an Instagram story. It's them taking their movie on the road. And it's like, hey, come on out to this theater tonight. And they're posing, there's nothing else in the shot, but the star of the movie standing next to the poster for Casino 1995. What? Why? Why? And this is posted the morning after we do a double feature of Casino and the Civil Dead, apropos of nothing. I love it. It's a glitch in the Matrix. Yeah, it's a simulation. <laughs> anyway, so, so that, was more, that was more scary than the movie. Can't explain wow, it. Wow, that's wild. I need you to call tell that at uh, Allison uh, with the wise ghost story party. I should Pretty tell spooky. it on Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. <laughs> the ghost story party that you're bringing a Ouija board to. Oh, I'm yeah. not allowed to bring a Ouija oh, board. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, but you know, it, we, we can smuggle one in. Okay. <laughs> well, smuggle speaking in. speaking of Ouija boards, I got two things. Um, I watched a couple of weeks ago now, I guess. I watched uh, the 80s movie Witchboard because Joe Bob Briggs was hosting it. Um, I ended up watching it mostly uh, as a Sunday catch-up when they released the stream. Uh, really fucking fun movie. This is a movie where, you know, yuppie adults take a Ouija board way more seriously than anybody would in reality or so i thought until i started trying to invite people over to my house to play the ouija board nobody wants to fuck with that (laughs) except me apparently um this movie has a really fun character in it who's like a new wave medium played by kathleen wilhoyt um a character actor i know i've seen in some other stuff she's really entertaining and it features a scene where a Ouija board is flying around a room and a guy is firing a gun at it. So, like, what more do you want out of your Ouija movie? <laughs> I would highly recommend Witchboard. And, um, oh, on the, the Amon book club on the Discord, uh, we just finished reading and discussing John Langan's novel, The Fisherman. It's really good. If you like 
like it's like a good old fashioned American story about grief and fishing. And honestly, like when I say that, it sounds like this is like a super masculine novel and it's not, it's really sensitive. It deals with grief in ways that I've like rarely seen written about in fiction. It deals with masculinity in, in a really interesting way. It's really fucking scary. So I think this is the first book club book that we've done in like five books that I would recommend every one of our listeners go and check out. Everyone in the group loved it. And by the time this episode drops, while you're listening to this, we will have chosen a new book. Um, and you'll still have probably at least three weeks to read it. So go check out Stephen's book club on the discord. Wow. Okay. I'd like to read the next one with you guys. Is there a ghostly fisherman in this book? Is he like dripping in your hallway? Not going to tell you there. There are things in this book that are uh, that I that were that stretched my imagination to its limits and will haunt me forever. Whoa. Whoa. Really hoping somebody turns this into a miniseries. It just came out a few years ago, and I cannot imagine, especially given all the critical acclaim, that it hasn't been optioned for something at this point. But it's a real creepy. Well, what the hell did we watch this week, gang? I mean. You picked it. We watched The Birds, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, which I had shockingly never seen. You'd never are, seen. That was going to be my seen. first question. Allison, had you seen Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds before? So when Stephen texted me that he'd never seen it, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you'd never seen it. And then I watched it and I was like, have I ever seen this? But I have, <laughs> I have this very distinct memory of being in a, okay, in the movie section of a grocery store. You know how that existed at one oh, point? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. With my mom. And I think it was like a Friday night and I was having a friend sleepover and I was like, let's pick horror movies. And my mom was like, you guys should watch the birds. And I'm, I'm 99% sure we watched it, but I retained none of the memory about it. So it was like watching it for the first time. Maybe you were watching some other movie and she came in and checked it out and said, this movie's for the birds. (laughs) No. Walked away. Walked out. I don't think that was it. Um, but I felt like I had never seen it before. Hmm. It's a movie that I was definitely aware of as a kid. Um, definitely something that I don't know. Maybe I have, maybe I had seen it and I just don't remember, but it's definitely something that I know that like, you know, my parents, aunts and uncles would reference and talk about. And I'm a big fan of like, anytime there's a new TCM or AMC or, you know, E channel, like the 50 scariest movie moments of all time, Mm. I will watch it. Like, I don't care how shitty it is. I just, I eat that shit up. So there, there were scenes in this that I had seen before almost in their entirety. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was a delight to have an opportunity to finally to see the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's considered a masterpiece, major embarrassing blind spot for me. Hmm. Had you seen it, Chris? Yes, I, I think I, I now here's the same kind of thing where I'm kind of also in a similar sort of memory hall where I'm pretty sure I watched this movie uh, like in school when I was a kid. And then I definitely watched it as an adult a few years ago. And then this is my third time that I remember uh, watching it. But yes, although as we'll get into, I very much Mandela affected some aspects of this movie and remembered them completely differently. So much so that my jaw dropped when they didn't happen in this movie. So, oh my god! Well, I mean, one of them I'm really curious about is, uh, I, uh, well, no, I'll, I'll I'll wait for it. I know you're going to bring it up. All right, fantastic. But yeah, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, 1963, the master of suspense. 
uh, Alfred, which I, that's a whole. All right. We'll talk about Alfred Hitchcock in a minute. But this is the story of a young woman named Melanie who is just perusing a bird shop in downtown San Francisco when she is flirted with flirted upon by a strapping young lawyer named Mitch Brenner. And they have some banter and Melanie's so taken by this man that she decides she's going to buy some birds and take them out uh, to his lake cabin, lake house on the other side of the state. It's like a three or four hour drive up, up the coast into Northern California and deliver them as a practical joke. And arriving in the small, picturesque town of Bodega Bay, uh, she meets the townspeople. She uh, reunites with Mitch and his family, which is his elderly mother, and his quite young, very young, childish sister, who is like, I don't know, 13 or something? 11. 11. Oh, she's 11. Baby. She's turning 11. Baby Veronica Cartwright, which yes. shocked the hell out of me. Who's yes. Veronica Cartwright? Oh, she's in a bunch of stuff. She's in the the seventies invasion of the body snatcher. She's an alien. Whoa. She's the she's like the first person to scream during the chestburster sequence, I think. <laughs> like they she didn't know she's the, like famously didn't know that how they were gonna pull that off, so they just did it to get her genuine reaction. Oh cool. Anyway, cool to see her as a young tot. Little she little Kathy. She had a much acclaimed guest role as Cassandra Spencer on the X Files. Oh shit. Five, season six. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, they're, but they're in this quiet town, Bodega Bay. You may be wondering, oh, so the little birds she got for Mitch, are those the titular birds? Fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> the titular birds are the wild birds of Bodega Bay who are coming in from the, from the shore. And apparently they're bent on just straight up killing people. Yep. These uh-huh. birds will come at you in your car. They'll come at you on the playground. They'll come at you walking around the town. Uh, they don't attack all the time, but when they swarm and when they attack, it's very scary indeed. So now Melanie, uh, Mitch, Mitch's family and some of the other townspeople have to figure out what the hell's going on. And then just, kind of get through this ordeal what the hell is going on with the birds <laughs> it's a very simple not a lot of, it's not a very plotty movie no no and if you're one of those people putting those birds aren't real stickers on everything watch this movie and get the fuck out of here birds are real <laughs> and they're terrifying every bird in this movie is real <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a lot scarier if you think about it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that actually, that was one of the things that surprised me upon this rewatch because there were always way more birds than I expected there was going to be. There's some, there's some iconic scenes where like, all right, I know what's going to happen here. She's going to look and see a shit ton of birds. And then I would see it and I'd be like, that's like 10 times more birds than I thought she was going to see. <laughs> it's overwhelming. Um, the scene where the birds, this, the scariest thing in this movie the most anxiety inducing thing is when the birds come out of the fireplace oh yeah oh yeah oh holy I hell so. and that's a i think those are real birds in that first shot and they just like release them through a vent it's fucking horrifying i did some research into how they accomplished some of this stuff and and short Good. answer i i no, i don't think that's what happened i think it was a visual effect <laughs> but okay. um i used to live in i used to live in the country and we would get bird. We would sometimes we'd get one bird in the fireplace, mm-hmm. and 
one bird in your fireplace is a lot of birds in your fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Too many birds. Yeah, one bird getting into your house from the fireplace is a lot. So 400,000 <laughs> coming into your house. I what, think what um trip? I think that the fact that there were more birds than you were expecting or that you had remembered is it, I, I was really impressed by the number of birds that they actually used in these movie in this movie because it could have there, there's a magic number there, like any less than it would have looked like not enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and any more, more it, it would have looked <laughs> maybe unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see what the fuck was going on if there were right. any more. It's yeah. already difficult at times. Yeah. I, the, fireplace, the fireplace scene was scary. It was. Uh, I thought it was shocking how I was... I was fooled so many times by the visual effects in this movie. I felt like an idiot. First, I was like, wow, how'd they get all those birds to go up in the sky? Do they like release a bunch of birds behind this church? And then I'd be like, oh, no, these are animated birds. <laughs> like these are, <laughs> this is an animation I'm watching, but it's all very convincing. And, and you know, they'll, they'll mix the real birds in with the fake birds. There's yeah. a few laughable shots where someone's, you know, grabbing a bird or a bird's grabbing somebody. And it, it's very uh, unconvincing puppet. But uh, for the most part, you know, they do a real good job of mixing in the fake birds and the real birds. And it's, uh, it's spooky. It's good. It's Especially, how I like my special effects. You you augment the practical with the digital, you know, and they complement they can complement each other well. And for a movie this old, you know, of course you've got to like kind of cast your mind back and pretend you're in the cinema when it came out. This this was scared the shit out of me at the time. What is yeah. the sorcery? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say in 1963, I was really impressed with the level of special effects that they had. And you know, I feel like if somebody were to remake this movie now which i would not be surprised if that happens in the next five years just for the record i don't know if it would have if it would be as effective you know because there's something really kind of gritty and i don't know kind of hyper real about about how they did how they did the birds all right so i i got a question uh either you can answer you're at the you're at the pet store okay uh handsome man walks up to you he says hey can you help me find something? You turn around and you say, well, what are you looking for? And he looks you in the eye and he says, love birds. How do you respond? Is he hot? Did you think Rod Taylor was hot in this movie? I did. Maybe, maybe hot for the time, hot for the era. Yeah. Totally hot for the time. I would not pretend that he's wearing he's wearing that long sleeve white knit sweater. It was like the sluttiest thing you could wear in 1963 (laughs) as a man. I don't know that I would pretend I worked at the store and that I knew what I was talking about, but I'd say, I'd say I you know I'm actually I was I'm looking for the same thing and I'm very tight with the owner. Why don't we go and talk to her and she can help us and then we could bond that way maybe. Oh, yeah. so you'd be honest, but you, the line—it's not the line wouldn't impress you. I, uh, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. I okay. think it was a little too on the nose. I'm going to answer now. I think I totally would have done what Melanie did, and I really liked that part of her—that she was like this playful socialite that was known for being a practical joker, which was always like the. By the end of the movie, I was like, was she or wasn't she? Because she was like, I was pushed into that fountain in Rome. And, you know, she had disputes for all of the 
quote unquote practical jokes that she had been notorious for playing that were in the newspapers in the gossip yeah. columns. Yeah. But I liked been, that about her. It, it should have been you, you the whole movie. You're wondering whether she is or isn't a practical joker. And then at the end of the movie, she escapes from the birds with like a buzzer handshake thing and like a whoopee <laughs> cushion and like all this stuff. Like, oh, <laughs> chicken. She was a practical joker this whole time. Or she's just been like masterminding these birds to attack and then the, the joke got out of hand. Oh, that'd be horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. where I believed that she was, and I did like that aspect of her as well, but where I where I believed that she was a practical joker is, or at, or at the very least, a psycho stalker, is when she actually co- gets the birds and goes all the fucking way out to Bodega Bay, breaks, it doesn't break in, lets herself into the guy's home, <laughs> leaves the birds, a card, birthday card for for his younger sister who she's only heard about and only once in a situation where she was lying to him or attempting to in the bird store. She's, she's bananas. It's, it's a lot. So we should say, <laughs> if you haven't seen the birds, the first like 40 minutes of this movie <laughs> is this woman trying to get to this guy's house with a cage of birds. She goes Four hours up the Pacific Coast Highway. She goes and talks to the guy at the feed store slash post office slash general. I guess it's a general store. General store and post office. Oh, before she does that, she goes to his like apartment in San Francisco, mm-hmm. talks to his neighbor. Then she goes to the general store four hours <laughs> away. Then she goes to like the school and talks to a woman who turns out to be his ex and finds out about his sister. Then she goes to the marina, talks to the boatman. Then she rents the boat. Then she crosses the lake. Then she waits for the guy to say goodbye to his family so she can sneak into his house. It It's the most involved process I've ever seen in a movie for anything but he loved it he loved amazing too it was great but like what really struck me is that like not a single person that she'd be a really good detective because not a single person that she encounters while she's exhibiting all this outlandish behavior questions her motives they're more than happy to give her every piece of information that they know about this guy and his family even though it's like clear that she doesn't really know him you know, yeah. she doesn't even know his sister's his sister's name. It right. seems like a, a gentle era that they made this movie. And these days, you get mm-hmm. shot just for knocking on somebody's door. Yeah, yeah. And every everybody in this fucking movie doxes the guy at every turn. Yeah, <laughs> but she wow. wasn't the only. So Annie Hayworth was the school teacher that she eventually ends up getting the getting his sister's name from her teacher. And Annie mm-hmm. had also like moved there from San Francisco to be close to him, even though she knew they weren't going to be together. So like this guy had some tenacious women in his life, but mm-hmm. he didn't seem to mind. I don't know. He liked it. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. A, and, and then we get into like all the family and romantic dynamics around our guy, Mitch. I didn't really connect with much of that stuff. I didn't really know what it was trying to say. It's kind of a subplot to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the interesting thing, the thing that I really like about this movie is we don't see a bird do anything. We like every now and then she's like, oh, it looks like there's a lot of birds out there today. <laughs> but we don't see a bird do anything nefarious until like this whole practical joke has been played. And then a bird will, like swoops and just pecks our hero on her head. And it's like a one off thing. It's like a very slow boil of a movie. And if you just didn't look at the poster and you just went in 
Let's see the I I like birds. Let's go see a movie called The Birds. You'd be like, oh, this is this is one hundred percent. I would bet my life that this is just a romantic comedy for about like four thirty to forty minutes, and then it would turn into a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. I want to go back in time and take some sweet person to the movies to see this and say, hey, it's a cute story about birds. Love birds. <laughs> Love birds. <laughs> Really bird yeah. heavy, really bird heavy from the beginning. Bird heavy, but not scary bird heavy. And then no, no. she's on her way back in her boat. They're they're kind of racing back into town because he he sees her out in her boat um, leaving, and he gets in his car and he get, he's determined to get there first to the other side because of course he knows where she's going to dock. She just gets fucking smacked in the head with a bird. <laughs> but hey, that happens, you know. It's never happened sure. to me. But I'm sure it happens. Has it happened to either of you? <laughs> no, I remember just, it happened to Fabio that one shit time. on her head as she was coming in. <laughs> and what if that was the MO of all these birds? They don't peck you. They just shit you. <laughs> shit on you. I don't know. Is this anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I cannot extend that bit. Um Yeah, that's pretty it's pretty it's pretty fucking shocking though when the bird flies into her her face though and she's bleeding from the forehead and mm-hmm. and yeah suddenly this movie that has had like a pretty easy breezy uh vibe so far suddenly becomes sinister and then you know gradually gets to the point where the tension over time just does not let up for a moment i loved it i would love to know what hitchcock's intentions were <laughs> did you feel like you were in the hands of a master of suspense no. And I mean, I've seen a fair number of Hitchcock movies and I have to say, you know, Psycho famously has a misleading opening, but it doesn't drag. I don't, I don't feel like it drags on this long. Hmm. I found I, I, I found myself starting to get kind of bored. Come on, release the birds. I didn't get bored at all. I liked all because you know what's coming. And, and I liked I thought this subplot and the practical joke stuff was interesting enough. Yeah, I agree. I felt like I liked the pacing a lot. And I think the characters were intriguing enough that they were able to kind of carry where the action wasn't yet. Like, I was really, really interested in watching her. I think she was a great actress. um, And I think her character was kind of complicated. And I liked that. I liked that about her. Mm -hmm. Did I feel like I was in the capable hands of the master of suspense? Not really. This no. is my thing. I, I don't know how I feel about Alfred Hitchcock. And yeah. I I mean, I like him. I like his work. I certainly respect him. But there's just, I don't really relate to him or his work as well as I would like to. It doesn't really get me on a visceral level most of the time. Mm. Um, Do you think it's like we were born in the wrong era? Do you think that our elders horror fans related to him a little bit more because sometimes I wonder that too. Like I recently rewatched psycho and I was kind of like, this is sort of boring. Mm. It's just, it's different. I don't know because I mean, I think I feel like I can relate to things of that era in a more stronger way, but I feel like just personally, 
I respect that like so much of what he does had just like not really been done before. Like in this movie, you got like birds flying at the camera and peck and then <laughs> like the birds going, ah, like mouth open towards the camera lens. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if that had been done before. <laughs> like that's a pretty like intense and creative shot that they did because they could, but it's not like a shot I would ever want a director to do today. Yeah, I mean, it is impressive on the sense of, again, casting your mind back then, like how bonkers it must have sounded to studio execs. Like, yeah, I'm going to make a movie with like hundreds of thousands of birds attacking people. Minds must have been blown. Like, mm-hmm. they're crazy. How can you possibly pull that off or make it even remotely convincing? Mm-hmm. And he managed to do it. You know, I give him major props for that. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was like, uh, before we were chatting, um, I was kind of, you know, just kind of looking at, at uh, like, legitimate film critics' takes on this, and they're like, this is a great example of a movie where Hitchcock is in full control, and every shot is storyboarded, you know, to the nines, and you should go frame by frame through it. And I'm like, I don't know, it's still a little clunky. Like, yeah. It, I, I appreciate it for, like, the, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but, you know, for the for the hook of 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 the the terror of the birds, but, like like, a, as a film, if you strip all that away, I feel like it's you know, it's, it's fine. It's a movie that feels like every shot was was choreographed and storyboarded to a T. Like, yeah. it doesn't really feel like it has a ton of natural energy. Um, and I have to sometimes step back to appreciate the suspense. Like, especially towards the end of the movie, you have characters who are just kind of walking amongst hundreds of birds. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this my my heart's not there my mind's not there i'm not like oh shit this guy's about to get murdered by birds i'm just like that's kind of creepy i guess it's kind of cool that they did that shot i don't know i see how this might have worked on an audience that's not me i don't know but i mean i guess it's the same reason why you guys but not me i mean talking about patrick and, and steven gave um uh halloween you know a cue it or a screw it or whatever you gave mm. it <laughs> you know it's like I, I guess some of this pioneering masterful stuff just kind of gets lost in translation, especially with a movie like the birds where it's just been imitated so much. Um, sure. I mean, you think of so many other movies that just kind of do the same sort of end of the world zombie. I thought about the mist a lot in this, like that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know, but I've always had a hard time relating to Hitchcock. I, I never, I don't think his cameos are appealing. Frankly, I don't like that bothers me did he cameo in this movie yeah he like comes out of the pet store at the beginning walking two dogs oh i totally missed it and i was i was looking for it but uh yeah you always get one of those little kind of drawing attention to itself things it's not my cup of tea i mean whatever he's a master i respect his work uh certainly made some great films uh if i made a must-see list of 100 films he would have numerous entries on it i'm sure but uh just, I don't know, there's just a little bit of a disconnect there. And especially a disconnect now that I looked into his personal life a little bit during the making of this movie and found out that he was sexually harassing the shit out of Tippy Hedren, oh, yeah. the star of this movie. Not just through the production of this movie, but through the production of their subsequent movie, Marnie. And it was pretty, pretty foul. Pretty and not not just like trying to like proposition her, but like 
being like, okay, we're done filming for the day. Nobody is allowed to talk to her. Nobody is allowed to touch her. She's going out to dinner with me. We're going to be drinking wine. And then like, if she did something he didn't like, he would throw real birds at her instead of the fake birds he was supposed to throw at. Oh my God. So a little asterisk in the book of the birds, I guess. I mean, I mean, I knew he was, what do you do with that information? I knew he was a sex pest, but I honestly have never gone into the the details. I don't know that I want to. I feel yeah. I feel like I mean, just the 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 male gaze is so strong in his films that I kind of I kind of get the idea. That's enough for me. How about the first scene when she's outside of the pet store and she gets whistled at, mm-hmm. and she kind of like looks. Oh my god! Thank you. <laughs> just like man, how things have changed. You know, thank God. Hard for the course though back then. I think. Or at least with the character that he's trying to, you know, portray here, who's this like yeah. basically the sixties version of Paris Hilton. Um, or I guess at the time it was Patty Hearst, right? Like she's like the publisher's hot daughter. Um who's, you know, famous for being famous, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, just had to throw that out there. Uh, I really like Mitch when I said when I said before that there's a character in here who reminded me of Jay. I was thinking of Mitch. Really? Okay. You said at the yeah. at the end of the last episode that there's a character in this that reminds you of Jay. And I was looking for it and looking for it. And I'm like, ooh, is it gonna be the drunk at the restaurant? Is he gonna turn out to be a a bird wrangler? You know, with some kind of interesting spiritual bent. And no, I wasn't expecting you to say Mitch. Explain. No, Mitch Mitch just does it all. I mean, he puts all the action in this movie on his back, thanks in no small part to the gender stereotypes that are at play. But, like, someone's getting mauled by a bird. He's there grabbing the seagull, like, a, like behind the scruff of its neck and throwing it off camera. <laughs> and, you know, he's the one driving the car and boarding up the windows. And he's he's a handsome guy. And he's, like, he's he's stacked. He's got, he's got that physique. He's a lawyer. He's not phased by birds at all just like Jay is never phased by ghosts. Everyone else is like, oh my god, there's a bird! And he's like punching birds, throwing a sheet over birds. He's getting shit done. And I don't know, that's why he reminds me of Jay. I remember he really made an impression on me last time. This time, not as much. Who's Jay? Do you even know what show you're on, Allison? Who's Jay? Whoa. All right, I got another movie to watch. This is the first time I've been on this uh, this show that it's come up. That's our mistake. I, yeah. <laughs> that's that's oh our guys. bad. How about how, um, let's talk about Jessica Tandy, because I thought I knew who that was. And then oh, yeah. I think the whole time, I, I not the whole time, but until I Googled it, I was thinking that Melanie was Jessica Tandy. Oh, the mother no. Lydia is played by Jessica Tandy, who yeah. the mother looks about two years older than Mitch. <laughs> So that's, the, I was like, yeah. oh, that's his sister and that's his niece. I don't know. I'm like, Mitch looks like he's 43. <laughs> I feel like he's supposed to be 25. Oh my God. <laughs> he's got a sister who just turned 11. The mom looks 60. Uh, I, I was I stunned by the apparent age gap between him and his sister, because we don't know how old he is, but we can get a, it's pretty easy to guess like a rough age range for her. Well, it's, I feel like they say at some point, cause she has a birthday party uh, that gets yeah, ruined by the birth. She's 11. She's, she's 11. 11. Yeah. But uh, there's something about like 
and we're probably going to feel this way when we look back on like now in 20 years, there's just something about like the fact that people didn't moisturize back then the way you're supposed to like makeup and hairstyles and hair products and clothing all like aged people so much more than they realized at the time. Like I, I'm, I'm curious yeah. as to how old the, I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'm curious as to how old the actor who played Mitch was when they shot this. He I had to be was, like 30 at least. I think he was 30 or 33. And he looks actually. like 40. But he looks so much older than that. Yeah. Yeah. Even just his like bone structure and his, you know, skin is, is that of a, a middle-aged man. Your, your bone structure doesn't change though. <laughs> yeah. It's, I guess just his face was chiseled like a grown, like a grown sure. man's face. Would, he probably always you know? looked a bit older than he was with a face like that. Yeah. I yeah. see what you mean. He made it to eighty-four. Good man, actor. Okay, what else? Uh, you know Shit. the what? What else is there to say about you know a a such a well-worn masterpiece like this? I, uh, I mean, I'm. <laughs> or what else is there to say about a, a movie that is, is so familiar? I think in the in the in the public perception and our minds. Uh, one thing I really liked about this is that there's like pretty much no score in this movie. So like all this terrifying shit is happening oh, and yeah. there is no, there's no music to tell you how to feel just the cacophony of birds. Like the scene that we were talking about earlier where the birds come out of the fireplace, you're just watching people who are utterly horrified in a house that is gradually filling with thousands of birds, just swatting at them trying to find a place to hide, trying to keep the birds out of their face uh, for minutes on end. And there's no, you know, we don't have a Bernard Herman score in this movie like we usually do with Hitchcock, though he did apparently consult on the the sound design in, in some capacity. And that makes it very disorienting and also probably scarier. You feel like you're trapped in the yeah. room with these characters, like it, like you're there live in the room with them in a way that you wouldn't if you had, you know, uh, a full orchestra swelling. I loved it. I thought that was a nice. Yeah, touch. that's a good call. And the shrieking of the birds was so intense. It was like cats mm-hmm. fighting. Like I'm not even sure what a swarm of birds would sound like, but probably that. I don't know. That scene in particular mm-hmm. made me feel like my pulse quickened. I felt anxious. I was like, okay, now movie, you have my attention. I thought it was so effective, and a lot of that comes down to a simple stylistic choice like that. And we don't think of birds usually, I mean, I don't at least, think of birds as scary or the sounds of birds as scary. If we hear a little cooing of a bird or the flutter of wings, we are not like, oh no, that's that's horrifying. But in context, it is very horrifying. And when there's so much of it, when all you hear is feathers mm-hmm. and all you hear is just screeching, it is unsettling. And, and yeah, it really becomes a, a score unto itself. I mean, I, I would assume that it's scary because in our evolutionary reptilian core of our brain, we're not afraid of the little, we're afraid of the big birds still. So, so the, if it has a lot of feathers, if it has that many feathers that you can hear, all you hear is feathers. That means it's too big of a bird and you got to go back to the cave. <laughs> well, what's what the I, magic number of feathers where it tips over, where a bird yeah. tips over to be terrifying. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to do experiments with evolutionary anthropologists or something. What's too big a bird? Like an, an albatross? Those are scary. That's actually a good question. I mean, a smaller bird than you think could fuck you up. I would not want to fight 
a bird one-on-one if it was more than a foot tall and maybe not even then. Like hummingbirds are cute, but imagine if instead of going after the little feeder in your garden, it's going after your eyeball and they're quick too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're woodpecker. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I meant to check and see if anyone has ever been pecked to death by birds. Did anybody do that? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, Like people who are stranded at sea. I'm going to look this up. Pecked to death by birds. Rooster pecks. This is just 2019. A rooster pecks a woman to death after causing freak devastating vein injury in Australia. Whoa. She was collecting eggs. The rooster started pecking at her left egg, opened up a large varicose vein. She bled out. Whoa. (laughs) Holy shit. That's scary. All right. Respect, <laughs> bird. Oh, cassow. I mean, this isn't pecking, but cassowaries are very dangerous birds, and and they have big claws on their feet, and they will they will kick you to death. They kill people all the time. Kick wow. you to death? Yeah, like the velociraptor. Wow. They actually modeled the some of the the behavior of the velociraptors in the Jurassic Park movies after the cassowary that walks around like that with a big ass claw on its foot. Cool. This kind of reminds me tangentially of how. After the There's Someone Inside Your House episode, and we talked about how the corn should have been popping in the field when it was burning, I went online, I googled, like, can, <laughs> can like, corn that you grow, especially during, like, harvest time, you know, when the, when the corn maize season, can it pop? And all I could find was just, like, farmers on some weird blog talking in, like, farmer talk about how, oh, I saw field corn pop once, and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw a woman get pecked to death by birds once. But I, yeah, I appreciate when we do this kind of kind of research. Yeah. You guys reviewed the movie. There's someone inside your house. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know there was a movie. I just read that. I finished that book like a month ago. Oh, wow. oh what'd you think? I thought it was fine. I thought okay. it was okay. You know, it was the one of the first times uh, as of late. It's probably happened to me before where every paragraph i'm reading i'm like have i read this before or have i not like a phantom this seems so familiar to me and i still couldn't figure it out Mm. by the time i finished the book if i had read it before i don't know but i didn't know there was a movie Hmm. maybe you saw the movie and forgot about it and that's why the book was familiar maybe okay well since i'll know after i see the movie since we have you uh is there nazi paraphernalia in the book does one of the characters Uh, father Who's a like a land baron have a room full of Nazi paraphernalia in the book? This was a big question of ours when we did that episode. No, I don't think so. And do the kids smoke marijuana out of it? Do they, yeah, no. do they smoke marijuana out of modified Nazi rifles? No, because that happens. There's a in the scene movie. where a, a kid puts a luger in his mouth like he's gonna kill himself in front of all his party guests, <laughs> and everyone screams as he pulls the trigger, but then he exhales a cloud of smoke. Mm-hmm. He's just getting high. Nope. Uh, that well, was exclusive to the film. Yeah, not not in the movie either. What? <laughs> 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 so confused. <laughs> no, that that is in the movie. That is in the it movie. Really, it's pretty really fucking wild. Us. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, well, why don't we why don't we review the birds? Why don't we do yeah. it? Are you brave enough to review a a a, a classic? an all-time classic no. that came out in 1963 and have your opinion on the record for eternity. No pressure. I'm brave enough. 
I'm ready. All right, you're ready. All right, you can go first, Allison. Are we? Uh, what are we doing here? You, you say whether it? whether you would view it, cue it, or if it's for the birds. A <laughs> <laughs> number of times you know, that we've made that joke, even off. Initially, I. <laughs> it's the first time it works perfectly. <laughs> initially, I was a view it. I think I'm a view it. I think. Okay, here. Let me let me expound on that. I think if it weren't an Alfred Hitchcock movie and it weren't made in 1963, it wouldn't be a view it for me. But I think that alone, it's a classic. It's a movie that crawled so other movies could run and jump. Mm. Um, I think it was a good entertaining movie. I think the acting was great. I think the special effects were super good for, for how old they are. I did find it kind of boring, but I think they did so much with what they had which was so much less than we have now. So all that being said, I think it's a view it. It's not like an emphatic view it. It's like a, yeah, view it, probably. Does that make it a cue it? <laughs> it's whatever it you means to you. You have to overthink that. It's whatever, whatever it means to you. I think I'm you. a view it. I'm a view it. Yeah. Okay. Steven. Uh, I'm torn because like I said before, I had seen... Full sequences are pretty close to full sequence of this uh, movie many, many times before on various, you know, list, listicle type horror programs. And honestly, if I'm really thinking about it, I think they kind of work well on their own. I don't know if the 45 minutes or whatever of character development and buildup really makes much of a difference because in the end, I didn't care too much about these characters. I feel like Hitchcock is known for treating characters like set dressing. Uh, and, and I think sometimes I actually do care a little more than I expect to in his films. Uh, but in this one, I, I really didn't. I do think that you could just watch a highlight reel of scenes from this. And I mean, complete scenes, because I do think they're the ones that work really well are massively orchestrated. You know, you don't want to just see like two minutes of a four minute sequence of this. You really need to see the whole thing. But I think on their own, the set pieces would work and creep you out. I don't think you need all the filler. So I'm going to give it a cue. Uh, I, I think if you if 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 you're curious and you want to like cross this off your list because you haven't for some reason, like absolutely go do it. But uh, if you're kind of on the fence, I don't know if I'd make sitting through this whole thing a priority. I don't think it's necessary. I think it's, um, I love what you said, Allison, that this movie crawled so other movies could run. But at the same time, I, you know, like they, they released the sight and sound list every 10 years or whatever, where pretentious critics and filmmakers from, you know, all over the world vote on what the hundred greatest movies of all time are. And it's always interesting to see like what movies get added and what movies get bumped off the list. The same with AFI. And like, this is a movie that I think should maybe get bumped off the list. If it's still in, you know, those canonical top hundred movies There's better Hitchcock movies. There aren't better movies about birds. That's for damn sure. But that's a pretty unique little niche. Yeah. I, I'm giving it a, a, a cue it with, with some reservations. Don't scream at me, but that's where I stand. Chris, I'm going to be brave and give it a view it. <laughs> uh, no, I'll give it a view it. I think that there are 
First of all, the character stuff for, did work for me for the most part. I wasn't so big on the stuff relating to the mom or the little sister, but I thought the stuff between Mitch and Melanie was very good. I really liked the school teacher character and her mm. interactions with Mitch and with Melanie. The townspeople were all very well realized. I really liked Bodega Bay as a town. Uh, mm. I feel like you could do a whole... TV season in Bodega Bay and I won't get bored of the personalities. So that stuff's all good. There are enough A plus five star sequences in this movie that I think it deserves to be in everybody's vernacular or so to speak. Like, like everyone should be familiar with this stuff when she's sitting outside the school, which is oh, the yeah. you've probably seen on the, you know, hundred greatest horror moments or whatever the hell <laughs> VH one lists. Uh, when she's sitting outside the school, that's great. There's some really great stuff later on with all these birds, the slow boil. I really like, um, and just, Everything's really done well. Characters died, and I actually really cared that they died. I was sad that they died. You know that that said, it's it's got some warts, and and it's it's highly entertaining for me, but it's not always effective in the way it's supposed to be. Again, like it's not super suspenseful for me. It's not super horrifying for me. In fact, I think I laugh in this movie more than I'm scared. I kind of laugh at the kind of absurdity of how many birds there are and some of the bird effects. But uh, I don't know if I'm laughing with the movie or at the movie, but um, there's just some crazy stuff in here that, that, that thrills me and, and gives me a good time. And it'll probably give you a good time too, if you watch it. So I would say view it now. We're going to go to the spoiler room and we're going to spoil everything about this hundred year old movie in case you haven't seen it before. And, but before we do that, I'm going to remind you that we are on social media. If you want to connect with us in between episodes at Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N cast. We are also on discord. We have a very lively discord community. The link to that is in the show notes and you can go to every horror movie on Netflix.com. Uh, which is a little bit broken. The birds, it's for the birds. It's for the time being, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna rehabilitate it. We're gonna take it to a wildlife rescue, and uh, I'm gonna try to get that going. But you can go on there and see a list of some of the episodes that we've done in the past, and go to our merch store. Also, please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. We like to read your feedback and it helps other people find the show. So uh, I guess we'll head on down to the spoiler room and spoil everything about the birds in just a few seconds. Stay tuned. Man, I really hope there's not a fireplace down there. This is <laughs> welcome back. Oh, oh get, all right. Get oh, the geez. fuck out of here, birds. All right, all right. Welcome back. We are we are down here. God damn it! It's all this bird feed we've had down here for so long. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Welcome back. We're down here in the spoiler room getting ready to spoil everything about Alfred Hitchcock's 1963 classic, The Birds. What the hell happens in this movie, guys? Lots of bird shit. 
Yeah. Lots of shit with birds. We never figure it out. No one ever, we don't figure it out. So that's one thing I actually appreciate about this movie. Me too. There's no, there's the behavior of the birds, even the rules of the birds are never explained. Sometimes they attack, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're chill, sometimes they're aggro. And you don't know. They don't tell you what the rhyme or the reason is. There's not even any speculation, I don't think, is there? There might be like one offhand comment, but absolutely nothing that's presented as like, oh, here's what's going on or here's why the birds are acting this way. It's really up to your interpretation. And I think that makes it scarier because this movie, I mean, there is a really interesting sequence where characters are uh, where, where Tippy Hedron runs into the, the restaurant. Happen, there happens to be an ornithologist there who has a lot of opinions about this and about birds in general. But like there's not... This movie doesn't like pin this happening on anything or anyone. It isn't a movie that seems to have like a message about the climate or the way we treat animals. Like, yeah, there might be a couple of comments about that, but they don't really seem to tie together into a thesis. This movie isn't moralizing or hitting you over the head with some big message. It's just like, hey, what if one day the world as we know it starts to function differently and we are put in our place? And there's not a goddamn thing we can do about it. I love it. Mm -hmm. It's like a Twilight Zone episode without a message. Mm. I love that. And and even at one point in that restaurant, um, the the mother with the two small children who's trying to escape and then runs back inside actually blames Melanie. Like as if she's a witch or she carried a curse with her or something. She's like, none of this happened until you showed up. So like... There's yeah. no avian flu that they're attributing it to. If for all they care, it could be totally supernatural, you know? Which in, in a lesser movie like The Mist, that would have been like a 25-minute subplot. Mm-hmm. But here they just give it to you like, oh, it's you. You're crazy. And then I think she immediately backtracks and it's like, oh, I'm. I, I, she's like Biden. She's like, you're so, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. She uh, slaps <laughs> her. Remember? She, oh, Mel yeah, she slaps, slaps the woman. The That's right. That's oh. right. How about that scene while they're in the restaurant and they're watching the like gasoline? Oh my fucking god, that was incredible! (laughs) So preposterous and like over the top. Actually, I I would not be surprised if people died while they were filming that. Like, there's some dangerous shit going on in this movie where there are actors very close to not only open flames but like full on gasoline explosions. Yeah, and leaded gasoline at that. But yeah, um, and and kind of a shocking, more violence than I expected. Oh my god, for a movie of this era too. I mean, you you yeah. you see multiple characters with their eyes completely gouged out, just just bare sockets and blood, and it looks yeah. violence against children, like quite a bit of violence against children, and a lot of children. Yep. Not not just on the playground, but at the birthday party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one is yeah, spared. running away from the school. The, but yeah. The, the guy with his eyes uh, pecked out, that whole scene, I was shocked by. I was not expecting that level of gore. The rest of it, I thought, this is about what I expected. But that one cut to, I was like, whoa, this is modern horror movie. That would that'd be scary today. Absolutely. It seems yeah. it shocked me because it seemed so out of place. It's like, oh, my God, suddenly I'm in like fucking sinister or something. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. 
but uh and to be fair i was a little stoned while i watched this movie uh not to a debilitating degree or anything but i was really really into it um do you guys think about COVID at all during that scene in the restaurant where they're talking about so like this um you know this this scourge has been cast upon them there's this environmental disaster that's happening uh, Tippy Hedren is one of the only people who believes that it happens. She comes in to warn people, and there's a really long scene where different characters with different perspectives are kind of de- almost debating the nature of truth and reality mm-hmm. about this thing mm-hmm. that that she you know claims is happening. She's trying to warn them, and as it went on, I thought, oh my god, this was this is like you know if we weren't in lockdown, this is what sitting in a fucking diner in you know, Dexter would have been like while COVID was happening and everyone has their different perspectives on it. And, and, you know, they're different, like different definitions of like what the truth is. Like one character literally says at one point, I think it's Tippy Hedren. Uh, somebody's trying to argue with her and says like, well, I, I don't believe that's happening. She's like, what's there to believe it's happening. And it still doesn't right. convince him. Yeah. I hadn't put that together. I don't think like on a conscious level, but now that you mention it, it makes perfect sense. And then you've got the like town drunk who's being like the world is ending, yeah. which is like, <laughs> we got a lot of those in COVID too. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I think that's it. That's on point. I mean, obviously Hitchcock yeah. wasn't writing a movie about, about COVID, but I feel like it was like, I don't know what he was commenting on at the time. I mean, I get, but, but like, it seems like it would have been pretty ex- extreme for that era. Um, and kind of heightened and, and sadly, as we have evolved and as, as things have happened to humans and the earth as time has gone on, like it's become closer to what actual everyday conversation looks like where like, there are people who, mm-hmm. a lot of people who just simply cannot be reasoned with, even though, even though they're yeah, facing a direct yeah. threat and you, and someone is trying to warn them about it and save them. Yeah, I mean, you could do a whole stage play just in that diner, Mm -hmm. and I really liked all the different perspectives of all the different characters, and I didn't think of COVID. I think that's a a pretty uh, cool way to read that scene, but I was trying to figure out, what is this movie about? Mm -hmm. Is there an allegory here? Is there a metaphor here? Um, I think there's themes going on with like the family dynamics and the love dynamics, mm-hmm. but but that's I think secondary to like the motif of the birds. I was like, what do these birds represent, if anything? And I have a hypothesis. I don't. This is my own take, but and it, I could be totally off base. But here's what it said to me at least. And I was thinking about the the time the movie was made in, and I was like, well, basically what these birds are doing is committing air raids on this town. Mm-hmm. Basically. And I kind of saw it as a metaphor for living in a place like the UK where, where Hitchcock was born uh, or Berlin where her Hitchcock went to school and, and, and had, and worked before world war two. And I was like, that's what it's like in a, in a wartime where it's like, everything's normal because there's one scene where they're like, the town looks normal except for that cloud of smoke, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah. Cause it's like most of the time things are normal and the birds aren't attacking. And then you just never know when they're going to come. Mm-hmm. You never know who they're going to kill. You never know what's going to happen or how broad the destruction is going to be. And you just kind of have to learn to live with it. Um, as they did in, in World War II or as they did in uh, under Obama and the drone war in the Mideast. Mm. Uh, it's just, when's the, bo- the bomb going to come? Well, 
only so much you can do about it. You take cover when it shows up, <laughs> you know? So I don't know if that was in deliberate, but thinking about the time this was made and kind of who made it, I was, I was trying to find something there, and, and that's kind of what I landed on. Now, I also completely Mandela affected the end of the movie, which I'll talk about in a little oh. bit, and I thought that I, I, I kind of drew some more thematic uh, stuff into it, but then the end of the movie was totally different than I remembered it, so it didn't pan out. Yeah, the end of the movie was different than I remembered it, too. Yeah, how did you remember the ending? Well, let's let's talk about what happens before the ending real briefly, and then we'll we'll talk about the ending. Um, long story short, I mean, the birds kill uh, the teacher, which is one of my favorite characters. The birds menace the school. They menace the birthday party. They menace the little sister. Eventually, the sister and Mitch and Melanie and Mitch's mom take shelter in Mitch's house. Mitch takes out the boards. He boards up the house with his his manly shoulders. And then they they shelter in place. They barricade themselves Uh and they wait for the birds and the birds show up. And it's just a very classic, almost a zombie movie sort of situation. I thought of uh, sorry to interrupt you, but um, since we're talking about it, this did make me think a lot of night of the living dead during that whole scene. Right. Which came before this, didn't it? Or was that, did that come later? Was that late sixties or late? 50s? That was late sixties, I think. Okay. So yeah, really interesting, yeah. but it did suddenly start to feel like, Oh wow. Here's all like the nascent tropes of what a zombie movie would become. Night mm-hmm. of the living dead was 68. Just FYI. Okay. Okay. I can't remember if it was 58 or 68. Um, exactly. Then I, uh, uh pretty good climactic scene where Melanie goes upstairs for some reason, goes into like the master bedroom and you see that there's just a hole has been packed into the ceiling of the master bedroom (laughs) and the whole room is full of birds and it's actually a very scary image. Yes, it is. Imagine if you came into your bedroom at night or any room in your house at night and just saw like 200 birds sitting there looking at you. Waiting for you. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, that's someday that's going to happen with the squirrels in my bedroom wall. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night and see a hole and be fucking terrified. I'm going to yeah. be in his house all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, and they attack and and Melanie gets gets real fucked up by these birds. And I liked how she falls in front of the door. So Mitch almost can't open the door to save her. But then he remembers he has shoulders and he, he pushes the door and grabs her and pulls her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also really liked when they uh, revive her and she's still thinks she's fighting birds. Yes. So she starts slapping the shit out of the little sister. <laughs> she's got PTSD. It's <laughs> fucking great. They revive her with brandy. Oh, yeah. They would do everything with brandy in this movie. <laughs> it was the drink of choice in that film. You're all. Sure. <laughs> and then so, finally, they're like, all right, they make the decision we would have made, you know, four, 12 hours ago. And they're like, we just need to get the fuck out of here. We're going to get in the car and we're going to go down the coast. Um, and of course, our man Mitch is the one to do it. And he very carefully steps out and gets the car, brings the car around through the field of birds, which are in their not attacking mode. And that's, I mean, did the suspense in that scene work for you guys? No. And you know what it made me think of a lot is Nope. Actually, I thought about Nope a lot during this movie. It must have had to have been a major influence. I was totally And I was similarly not afraid. It reminded me of the scene where... OJ wakes up in his truck in the morning after the after uh, Jean Jacket has shit all over the house, and he has to like 
get uh, uh, Angel and um, Kiki Palmer, Emerald, have to get to the truck from the house. It's like 20 yards, but they have to run and they can't look up. You know, you can't give the thing attention. And that's how I felt about this scene, except I don't know what the rules of this scene are. Like, like it didn't scare me a nope, but in this scene it was like less, even less scary because I'm like, well, I don't understand why the birds are being calm. I don't know what it is that irritates the birds. But that doesn't make it scarier for you? Uh, it should, but it doesn't. I felt like there, this is again, we talked about the number of birds that was overwhelming and like the right number of birds. So that was definitely something when he opened the door to take everybody out to the car and there were just a sea of birds just landed on the ground. And I thought that is a startling image that that was a really impactful moment for me. Um, but the fact that they were docile or lying dormant was inexplicable. It didn't make a lot of sense, but Steve and I totally thought of Nope too throughout the movie because I was like, are they pissed off at them because they have these caged birds, right? Like such right. a big theme of Nope was like, don't try to capture something that's wild and beautiful, like let it be, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, maybe they were targeting Melanie because she had brought these birds from San Francisco and the birds just decided like, fuck this, we've had enough. Those are our friends, you know, like we're, we're becoming self-aware and we're going to attack. But it never, it never was determined. And they get in the car and they, I don't know, we don't even see them drive off, really. So presumably they made it. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, well, and they bring the birds with them, too, because those lovebirds never hurt anybody. That's right. So I I was in Mitch's head, and I like that we don't know anything. I, I mean, to me, that's always what's scarier, like when the, when the horrible thing is there, but it's not attacking you. I mean, that's, I think, why Michael Myers is, is scary, because mm. before he stabs you, you just see him watching you. He's scarier to me when he's watching than when he's stabbing, frankly. But the birds, like, he, he doesn't know. He's like, I'm taking, I'm like, do I, I guess I'm going to be quiet. I guess I'm going to not run it over with the car. <laughs> like, I guess I'm not going to try to irritate these birds. I'm going to just hope. Um, so I was drawn into that. But yeah, they all get in the car and, and damn, that's the end of the movie. And that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> okay, what were you expecting? So, all right. Turns out I'm not completely crazy. Apparently, this was a all an ending that had been proposed but not made. But I mm. remember, I thought that the ending was they drive down the coast, and then you see at the end of the movie the Golden Gate Bridge comes into view, and it's covered in birds. Whoa! Oh, that's like the alternate ending of well, this is going to be nothing to you guys, but maybe our listeners. But that's like the alternate ending of Army of Darkness, where Bruce Campbell m- travels forward in time, and it's like a Planet of the Apes sort of situation where, like, he's alone. Humanity's been erased, and every like all of like the major like monuments of America have been completely destroyed. Cool. So, like, you think, Sounds like, like four more years of Biden. i love the ending of this though um it's one of the most that shot of just the the screen is just filled with these menacing birds looming over as they're pulling their car out and it's just like something out of a out of a nightmare there's a lot of like matte painting stuff going on Mm. in it it's super uncanny um, that, that, I mean, that among, you know, along with some of the, the more famous sequences in this will stick with me forever and it may actually make me want to give this movie a view it. 
Well, it's too late now. I don't know. It is too late. The <laughs> shot looks, I mean, the shot's great. It looks so good. I want a print of it on my wall. Like, you, yeah, you're, it's just got so many layers to it. And there's so many birds and it's so scary and it's so atmospheric. And I just, I kind of want to, I kind of want to live inside that image, but also it is something from a nightmare. So I'd rather not, mm-hmm. but Really good. Is it better than it? It still ends abruptly for the film, though. Like the little Universal Pictures thing comes up, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, same. what? <laughs> I think it would have been cooler if you see them, you know, drive to San Francisco and realize that all of California's is, is birds now. Uh-uh. I can do you one better. Universal logo comes up, and suddenly. As as the world is spinning, you start to see clouds of oh, birds yeah. filling it until it's just a there black we hole. Amazing. Well, I was gonna do I was gonna do Chris rewrites the movie on this one off of the fake ending that I conjured up in my head that was never shot. I I was like, what if instead of seeing the Golden Gate Bridge covered with birds, they see the Golden Gate Bridge and there's just one giant bird, <laughs> like <laughs> or one game. giant cat. <laughs> and they're all like yes yes it's a cat it's a cat we're saved it's a cat oh my God. yeah they needed some cats in this movie they needed tennis rackets in this movie also i was like what if they just give them some bird seed you guys have a bunch of bird feed for those chickens that weren't eating just have a, anyone thought of that yeah no they, they weren't eating they only had an appetite for murder right the chickens yeah. how did you remember the ending allison I, I don't have as vivid a memory as that because again it was at best in you know like fourth or fifth grade um i thought she died i thought that melanie died and i thought that that the scene where she was attacked was out in the open with in the in midday and that her eyes were were pecked out. I don't know. Wow. Wow. Bloody. Yeah, I really had like a totally different um different memory of that. So much so that when she when she when I thought she died in the attic or wherever the upstairs bedroom you talked about the birds had come through the ceiling and the roof. I was like this isn't how she dies. But then she never even dies. <laughs> I'm it like, would have oh, been yeah. here's, here I'll rewrite the movie again. <laughs> she she gets pecked up in that bedroom and seemingly dies and then Mitch takes her downstairs and he's crying and he's like oh you were special you were different you were the one woman I kind of could have finally loved and left my mother for and then she wakes up and says gotcha because she's a practical joker <laughs> amazing Seriously. And then, they, and then they, they feed the mother to the birds. <laughs> and then, no, oh, then God. she pulls her face off. It's been a mask the whole time, and it's Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. <laughs> it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the most surprising Joker reveal we've seen in these movies. Oh, no, my gosh. No. It's yeah. unhinged. Completely unhinged. Yeah. I'm glad I rewatched it, slash watched it for the first time. I'm not sad about it. I think there's something for every horror movie lover in that movie. I think it's a rite of passage oh yeah it'll at least remind you of the other movies that you like if you don't like the birds in itself sure well damn i guess that's it i guess that that bird is cooked <laughs> actually you know what while i'm making that joke i did like um 
how this movie other it was generally i think sympathetic towards animals and birds maybe am i on my mind you see violence towards birds of course but like the fact that they didn't leave the songbirds behind i thought was nice yeah it didn't feel like there was an ounce of hate toward animals if it felt like these it felt like these humans deserve this and like they'll never figure out why that Mm -hmm. said i have to wonder I have to assume there was a shitload of animal abuse on the set of this movie. I mean, we at least know that, Chris, you talked about Hitchcock throwing live birds at Tippi Hedren at yeah. one point. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so with the nope great. connections, though. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, this movie also reminded me a lot of The Happening. Oh. I don't remember that movie. M. Night Shyamalan's That's a good movie. The Happening, That's a- where, the, where the trees turn on people inexplicably and no one understands why. I might not have seen that one. Yeah. Like everything turns on people. This is a scene where a guy gets run over by his own lawnmower. It's well, he kills like himself. Because the, 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 oh, the trees oh. put out a neurotoxin that makes you suicidal. I've seen that. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's right. That oh, movie. my God. Yeah. It was the it's worst hilarious. movie I've seen. It is the worst movie I've ever seen. And also one of my favorite movies. Awesome. <laughs> awesomely bad. Well, what's next for you guys? Yeah, well, it would be Patrick's turn to... No, it is Steven's turn to pick. No, it's Patrick's no. turn to pick, but he's not here, and you must be present to win. So maybe we'll let him pick next time. But now it's Steven's turn. So uh, I was not expecting to have to pick a movie for this episode. So we are going to Choose or Die next episode. The movie is called Choose or Die. Choose or Die. This is a 2022 film. Apparently, it's an 82% match for me. Choose or die? Choose or die. Because I will die if I don't choose. (laughs) Uh, Tempted by a chance to win unclaimed prize money, two friends reboot a mysterious 1980s video game and step into a surreal world of next-level terror. Sure, why not? Sounds like Black Mirror Light. Uh, who knows? I've never heard of this thing. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, Black Mirror Ice. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in two weeks, we'll be watching Choose or Die. Until then, like I said, find us on social media. Join us on Discord. And we will see you in two weeks to talk about Choose or Die. Thanks again to very special guest Allison for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's always a good time. And for every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Steven. I'm Allison with an eye. We'll see you next time.